You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Let's turn to that, Sam. Um, before we look at it, and we are going to sing the second part of it uh, when we're done, before we look at it, I want to pray um, especially. Uh, we pray through, uh, we have prayer notes for the congregation, and we've started praying uh, through people within the congregation, and today it's for Stephen and Isla, and Fraser and Cameron, for Megan Kibbe, and also for Owen O'Rourke and, and Ashley. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our brothers and sisters. Thank you for our elders, Stephen and Isla, and for uh, Fraser and Cameron. Pray your blessing to be upon that whole family. We thank you for the encouragement that they are to us. We thank you for Megan Kibbe and for the gifts that you have granted to her and, and through her to us. We pray that you would guide her in her work with uh, CMF, with the dental students. And we also thank you for Owen O'Rourke. And Lord, we do pray that your healing hand would be upon him and that you would bless his family, that you would bless uh, Ashley and the girls and that uh, those uh, of his family who do not know you, that you would draw them to you. Lord, we just thank you that there is uh, so much variety within this fellowship, and we pray that we would be faithful in holding up one another in prayer. In your name, amen. Psalm 66, for the director of music, a song, a psalm, shout with joy to God, all the earth. If I was doing um, a Bible quiz, I would say, okay, uh, what psalm? begins like that, that's also very famous, more famous than this one. Does anyone know? Ah, I got you. See, there's one word different. It says here, shout with joy to God, and in Psalm 100, it says, shout to the Lord with joy all the earth. It's the same opening, it's the same thing. And uh, verses 1 to 12 that we look at first of all, we are to sing the glory of his name. We are to make his praise glorious. We say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. That is uh, the first stance. It ends there, Selah. And it's an interesting thing in terms of our praise that here, this psalm, Psalm 100 and other psalms, are a call to the whole world to worship God. Some of you are old enough to remember the Coke advert, and before that, the seekers who sang, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I even know the words, how sad, from many years ago, grow apple trees and honeybees and and so on. And Mr. Ellis is sitting over there nodding and singing along already. Um, well, the psalmist has the same thing, that he wants people to sing God's praise. He invites, he's wanting the whole world 
to acknowledge and worship God. And I think we need to remember that in terms of, all, of where, what we're trying to do in outreach and everything else. When Davy's talking about the mix, what we want is we want these children to grow up as those who would acknowledge and worship God. There's a sense here in which that, the creation worshiping God, is the natural order of things. In fact, you could say this, that just as we were made to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, so is the whole creation made in that way. And the reason there's so much trouble and evil and twistedness in the world is because perversely we've turned away from God. So as in Romans 1 says that we we turn away from the clear evidence, the clear knowledge of God, and we turn and in ourselves become distorted and twisted And the way that we treat one another and the way that we treat the creation is out of sync because we're out of sync with our main purpose, which is to praise God. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. And again, in worship, what we are doing is we are praising God. There are various parody Uh, YouTube clips that you can get of people singing, it's all about me, Jesus, it's all about me. Uh, And sometimes in our praise and worship that we find in our churches, it can be all about us, but it isn't. It's to sing the glory of his name. And that's why our worship is never to be trivial and never to be pretentious. Our singing is, how great thou art, how great God is. Verse 3 talks about his power. How awesome are your deeds? So great is your power. And it's talking about one particular historical experience, the Red Sea experience. Come and see, verse 5, what God has done. How awesome his works on man's behalf. He turned the sea into dry land. That's interesting. How can you come and see that? I mean, even for the Israelites, that was a long time ago. So come and see. They don't have a video of it. How do they come and see? Well, I think what's happening is that the Israelites have been asked to transport themselves almost to almost time travel to be at the opposite side of the shore of the Red Sea and to observe as God's word is spoken. And by the way, this first 12 verses Most people reckon that this was the large congregation in the temple singing this congregationally. Somebody even dared to suggest that there was a kind of reenactment going on here of the crossing of the Red Sea. Now, that would be fun for the kids to do, um, complete with Pharaoh's army and, and, and so on. I don't think that is what was happening, but I think what is happening is God's people are being told, you need to look back at this and just see it. Come and see what God, God really did do. This, is, this isn't just a story. It's a fairy story. It's, it's not just a fairy story. It's something that's a, a reality. When we take communion, what are we doing? We are remembering the Lord's death until he comes. And in a sense, we're going back to the cross. It's a wonderful, wonderful um, Negro spiritual. Were you there when they crucified our Lord? Well, the answer is no, but we're also told, come on, come and see. I was crucified with Christ. When we uh, baptize John Spencer in a while, 
That water is a visible symbol. It's a visible symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a visible symbol of God's grace being poured out. It's a visible symbol of belonging to the church. When we take communion, the bread is a visible symbol of Christ's body. The wine is a visible symbol of his blood. Come and see what God has done. It is important for us to remember what happened in the past. It's important for us to remind ourselves of that. I think one of the encouraging things about looking through Isaiah in the morning is just simply to realize that God's people have been in trouble before, far worse trouble than we are, and yet the Lord was still sovereign and the Lord still worked. Verse 7, he rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. And here he goes on to having talked about what was in the past to talking about what is in the present. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You defined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. We have hard times too. We have the waters overwhelming us. We have tremendous difficulties. It's a very strange church, isn't it? A very strange church that people go to when they're happy and when things are going well. And that's pretty well it. And they believe in God when things are going well. And yet when things are going badly, they say, well, I'm out of here. I can't cope with this. And yet that is the experience of the Lord's people. He does preserve our lives and keeps our feet from slipping, but verse 10 says that he allows us to suffer. You, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. God's purposes in our lives are refining. Now, that's easy to say until you're suffering. And then when you're suffering, it's very hard. It's easy to say when you think, now if only I suffered in this way, then I would be able to cope with that. But some of you experience suffering that is the kind of suffering that just says, I I can't cope, I, I I can't handle this, I can't deal with this. And that is where your faith is totally refined. Even Jesus coming to the cross said, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And some of us will experience sufferings and testings that we, the point of them is we long for them to be over. We're not masochists. But as we go through them, we need to remember that as we saw this morning, It is only the Father's hand upon us, what the Father allows that takes place. Because look at verses 11 and 12. He appoints our experiences. You brought us into prison. When life hems us in in that way, we're acknowledging that God allows that to happen. When pressures mount, you laid burdens on our back. When people are atrociously cruel, you let men ride over our heads, ride roughshod over us. 
When one threat follows another, we went through fire and water. We are never anywhere else than in our Father's hand. My sheep listen to my voice, Jesus says, John 10, 27. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water. That's true. You have, you talk about holding on to the hand of Christ. That's true. But a far greater truth and a far more important truth is that once you belong to Christ, then no one can snatch you out of his hand. I think um, the wonderful thing about John Spencer professing his faith and being baptized and sometimes he would say, well, you're going to go into secondary school and it might be really difficult and what about this and what about that? Well, you'll have ups and downs, but you can't be taken out of the Father's hand. You cannot be taken out of Christ's hand. And look what he says, you brought us to a place of abundance or a, a, a roomy place. You brought us to a spacious place. I have a friend um, who struggles at different times with different types of depression, and one of them is that, you know, just the darkness, the darkness that comes with that depression that's also spiritual, because you, you don't feel depressed physically and emotionally and say, oh, spiritually I'm fine, because part of the depression is that spiritually you're not fine. And it can be really, really overwhelming. And I remember having a conversation once where we talked about how unhelpful it was for people to say that uh, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. What if you don't see any light? But what we need to know is that there is light. What we need to know is that there is a spacious place when you're confined and oppressed and struggling. You need to know that there is a place of abundance and a place of freedom that God will eventually bring you to. Now, in this life, you will go beside the still waters. You will go beside the green pastures. You will also go through the valley of the shadow of death. I hope and pray our uh, young students heading off. I really, really hope that um, you know Lauren and, and Nathan and Andy, uh, and Amy and Lydia. I, I hope that you have days of just tremendous joy uh, in Belfast and even in darkest Englandshire. Uh, I really do hope you do. But you will also experience days that are less carefree, shall we put it that way. And when you do, just remember that God will bring you, eventually, he will bring you through that and into a spacious place, a place of abundance. Verse 13, it changes. This first 12 verses are the, the congregation singing in that way. And then verse 13 I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. It, it, it changes to an individual. What's going on here? Some people think it is the cantor or the presenter who, was, who would be singing this as a kind of antiphonal thing to the congregation. But others think it's the, it's the king singing. Now, I don't, I'm using this as an illustration without making a political point, but there's a lovely YouTube clip of President Obama at the funeral in Charleston starts singing Amazing Grace. And actually, it is quite amazing. Um, you just don't expect that. Uh, I, I 
My mind boggles at the thought of David Cameron or Nicola Sturgeon uh, starting doing that and people joining in and going amen. Uh, it just boggles, actually, at that image. But uh, Obama did that. Now, I'm not saying anything uh, about particular politics or anything, anything like that, but I think that that is what this is happening here, that the congregation sing and then the king stands up, David, or may, perhaps it would be wonderful if it was Hezekiah because I think it's, it's a, a psalm that fits into that situation, singing to God before his people. And notice what he does, verse 13 to 15, personal dedication. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. The time of trouble leads to renewed dedication. And the king is saying, yeah, I remember that. I made vows and I'm going to come and here I am in front of all your people fulfilling those vows. And it's interesting that the sacrifice he talks about is the burnt sacrifice because the burnt offering was the total dedication of everything. His praise, a time of trouble, often leads to renewed dedication. Sometimes when things are going really, really well, we drift a bit, don't we? You know, we're rich and fat and full and we don't have need of anything. And yeah, we, 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 we know to come and give thanks to God and we know who God is and we know this and we know that, but we're just too busy. We have too much money, maybe too much time, too many friends, too much health. And I say, how can you have too much of those things? Well, we can have too much of them if we end up ne- <clears throat> neglecting God. And the psalmist says, no, in a time of trouble, I made vows to you and I'm gonna keep those vows, these vows of complete dedication. I will sacrifice fat animals to you in an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. And then he goes on, come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. By the way, that is something I think sometimes we're quite weak on in terms of our personal testimony. Now, there's a personal testimony that is wrong because it's a personal testimony that's all about ourselves. And you say, well, well, duh, of course it's going to be about yourself. It's your personal testimony. But what I mean by that is the focus and the center of it is on us. And far too many of us, we like talking about ourselves all the time. Uh, We were talking this afternoon and just before I fell asleep, and I apologize to those who are in the room when I fell asleep, but uh, I remember hearing uh, Annabelle talking about somebody in, in terms of when mental illness, they have a, uh, a point of reference that if they're watching something on the television, they think it's about them. The people on the television are talking about them, and uh, you know, the people on the, on the internet watching them, and the references are always to them. And sometimes I think we're a little bit like that spiritually that we think it's all about us. It's not. It's about what God has done. Let me tell you what he has done for me. It's not let me tell you what I have done for him. And maybe, maybe we need to encourage one another a little bit more by telling each other what the Lord has done for us. It's lovely, absolutely lovely. Um, there, there are times when being an elder in this congregation probably isn't your number one ambition in life. 
you've got to go to a Kirk session meeting, you're not bouncing for joy completely at that. But there are times when you are. And I'll say this as a, an elder to my fellow elders, probably the most enjoyable time of all is when we meet <coughs> before a communion with people who come and, and tell us how God has worked in their life and why they want to be members in the congregation. And this evening especially, it was lovely to have um, John Spencer, so young, and then uh, Bernard and Esther Sr., uh, much more mature. Uh, with, and, I, and I say that not in any kind of, I don't want to say so old, but because for me, old is, um, I, I think it's a compliment, actually. I think we live in this bizarre culture where old is considered to be a derogatory term, and that's crazy. Um, if, if somebody lives to be 100, I think it's just incredibly amazing. Now, Bernard and Esther are not at 100 yet, but uh, it was just lovely to hear of their testimony and of how God has worked in their life over many, many decades. Maybe we need to be a bit more open in just telling each other what God has done in our lives. Verse 17, I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. I prayed. And then verse 18, if I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. He's speaking there about holiness. Verse 19, but the Lord has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. You know, the one testimony you will never have about answered prayer is if you never pray. That's, that's a given. It's just very simple. You don't pray, you can't say you're going to have answered prayer. I think um, one of the reasons I would encourage you to come to the prayer meetings on, on Wednesday is we come and we pray together, and it is great. I mean, it's not that you get instant answers to absolutely everything, and it's not that the answers are necessarily what we might be looking for. But there's no doubt at all that the Lord answers prayer. And when you pray, especially together, I think, when you pray together, you see how God overrules in, in the darkest of situations. And that comes back to where we came in. Praise, verse 1, shout with joy to God, all the earth. Verse 20, praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. This is our worship, isn't it? Our worship is come and see what God has done for us. He's not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Now just see two things to finish on this. One is if you're not a Christian and you're thinking, how do I become a Christian and what's involved in all of this? And you know, you're trying to work things out and you've batted things back and forth in your head and you've had different experiences and you're not sure. Look, becoming a Christian is getting to this point where you, you, you say yes to Jesus where you say, I confess my sin, where you say, I believe that you are the Son of God, where you acknowledge that he has died for your sin, and you commit your life to him. It's not like just an intellectual thing. It is a wholehearted commitment to him. And some people are very reluctant about that. Some, because of a kind of pride, well, I've got to understand and connect it all and join up all the dots, which you never ever will, but some, I think, are very reluctant because I think the devil plays a very effective trick. He says, yeah, you can pray that, but why would God listen to you? How do you know that God's going to hear you? 
There's a very simple answer to that. Jesus said, all that come to me, I will receive. He's not going to turn anyone away. He has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Here's a very simple thing. If you are not a Christian, and as we are taking communion, and you observe this, and because I would ask you not to take communion if you're not a Christian, why not pray? Why not pray, Lord, give me your love. Lord, show me who you are. Because the experience of the psalmist in verse 20, he's not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. I've met people who have claimed that God did not listen to their prayer. Um, I've not seen that in, in evidence in any way whatsoever. And I've met many, many more people who even in desperation and sometimes as a mixture of belief and unbelief have cried out to a God they weren't even sure existed and he has answered and heard their prayer. So say that to those of you who are not Christians. To those of you who are, just take from this. God has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Sometimes we are like spoilt children. Or maybe, maybe another way of putting it is we are like very insecure children. Oh, my mom doesn't love me anymore. My dad doesn't love me anymore. Why? Because of some things that have happened, because of some things that they have said, because of some things that you have misunderstood. I think sometimes we're like that in terms of Jesus Christ and in terms of the Bible and in terms of God. That we believe that God hears the prayers of very saintly and very holy people, or he heard our prayers in the past. But why would God hear our prayers now? Because we've become more aware of how sinful we are. We've become aware, perhaps, of how how lethargic we are. And we think, God's not going to listen. He's not going to hear me. And the communion tells us, yeah, he is. He is going to listen. He does listen. He gave his son. He's not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Now, sometimes I pray in desperation. I'll pray, Lord, what about this? And Lord, what about that? And Lord, give an answer to this. And the answer doesn't come immediately. And I I can't say that always my mind is immediately cleared or my heart is completely calm. Sometimes you wrestle in prayer over a long period of time. But I think the one thing that would stop me praying altogether would be the fear or the belief that God rejected prayer or God would withhold his love. And I, the Bible tells us over and over and over again that God does not turn away from his people who call upon him. I think the problem is simply we don't call upon him. And if we did, it transforms our lives. Let's uh, sing the second part of this psalm. We're going to sing it to uh, the tune Franconia, and the words will come up on the screen. You let us be oppressed. We went through flood and fire, but yet you brought us to a place which met our heart's desire. Uh, let's stand and sing to God's praise.
Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.